let's get started. This is uh, the last lesson for Micah. This is session three, Hope Found. Hope is found in God's promised salvation to those who trust in him. We'll be in Micah chapter 7, verses 1 to 20 um, as we do this. We are impatient people. I think mankind has always been a little impatient. Um, we want things yeah. now, but I think as we look at our current day, uh, we're even more impatient. I mean, we have instant everything. Instant eggs. Just add hot water. You've got, I, I know. You've got to add some sauce with that, though. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan, but we've got instant, I mean, we, we've got microwaves to make things in three minutes, and even that's too long. Yeah. You ever watch your kids are standing there watching it, and it's like, but I'm hungry now. How long is that nanosecond? Yeah, how long is that? Um, we have instant transfers. We can move money from here to anywhere in the world, and it's, it's seconds, and it's there. I can email a whole letter to anywhere in the world almost instantly. Oh, it may take a couple of seconds because you're on the phone with the guy. Did you get the email? Yeah. yeah. Don't forget that the guy's, you know, 13,000 miles away. No, no, but you're, you're like, oh, it's just running slow. So when I say that we're impatient, that bears the question, then what things, what, are, what things do we not mind waiting for? What things are we willing to have patience? Death. Death? Death? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dana, that's good. I like that. That's Tom's wall. Just go right to the end. Something to look forward to. Okay, something to look fun. Something to look forward to. Yeah, a special thing. <laughs> a visit to the dentist. Yeah, we're, we're happy to wait for that as long as possible. If you get a real problem, it is good. Yeah. Um, okay, fun things. We're willing, like if you're if you've got a vacation planned. Yeah, we're 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 building up. We're waiting. Vacation always take starts about a week ahead of time, though. Yeah. <laughs> right. What things do we despise waiting for? Food. <laughs> There's nothing worse than going to a restaurant and you're hungry, right? Yeah. The waiter can't bring, why hasn't he come taking our order yet? Only just sat down. Right? And then he's got to go through all those specials and you're like, no, look, I just want my steak. Bring it to me now. And fast food isn't as fast anymore. Yeah, fast food isn't fast. Okay. Traffic. Oh, yeah. Do we, do we despise having to wait in traffic. Especially if we're going to the restaurant, right? <laughs> Standing, in Standing in line. Yeah. Anything in particular? No, it can be good because you get to know people. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're an introvert and don't let, don't, don't let anybody even notice you. I kind of like lines, but I don't like standing there. Well, we're going to look at some of the. We're going to look at that as part of this lesson today. Having to wait. Um, as we do this. So let's just jump in. We'll start with uh, Micah chapter 7, uh, verses 1 to 6. Somebody go ahead and read that for us. What a misery is mine. I am like the one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. There is no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the early figs that I crave. The godly have been swept from the land. Not one upright man remains. All men lie in wait to shed blood. Each hunts his brother with a net. Both hands are skilled in doing evil. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire. They all conspire together. The best of them is like a briar. The most upright worse than a thorn hedge. The day of your watchman is come the day God visits you. Now is the time of their confusion. Do not trust a neighbor. Put no confidence in a friend. 
even with her who lies in your embrace, be careful of your words. For a son dishonors his father, a daughter rises up against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are members of his own household. Or Terrible passage. <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty bleak. Uh, but then they, they, these minor prophets, they, they keep getting bleaker and bleaker, haven't they? Uh, because they're seeing the, the sin um, of their world. The very idea here that the godly perish from the earth and that no one's upright, nobody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. They all wait for blood. What is that? What, what is the illusion here? Well, not revenge necessarily, but murder. Um, and why? Just because. Just because. <laughs> you cut me off. You road rage, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little road rage. Or you, you did me wrong in a business deal. There's the plain evil. Well, verse 3 says. Yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, just because. I don't like the way you looked at me. The I mean, way you, you looked at my daughter or yeah. something like that. Prison yard rules, right? And then we see how the court system is. Bribes, judgment, the wealthy abusing the system. Or ignoring the crime. Or ignoring the crime. Especially if it happens to be somebody else. This is the, uh, the last of the outline. Future reversal of defeat and destruction. Um, this is reality defined. What we are seeing, or we just read in Micah, is the world's reality in Micah's day. And the reality is it's the, the reality of our world today, too, isn't it? Yeah. The world really hasn't changed. Nothing's gotten better, has it? The idea that man is basically good and that we'll all get along and, <laughs> and we'll move along and all that, all that wonderful stuff that's painted in Star Trek, <laughs> that man just needs to, to come together and we can solve all hunger and poverty and, and all these, this wondrous socialistic construct, it doesn't work, does it? It's not new. Nothing it's just new been repackaged. And we see what mankind is really like, don't we? I mean, they built the entire USSR on the concept that socialism will make it all better. That the problem was the czars and their greed and all their power and, my, and the, the regular people were just ground down to serve the rich and powerful. Well, what happened? We instituted communism. Nobody owns anything. Nobody has any money. The state will take care of it and make it all equal and even, right? Is that what happened? No. No, what did happen? People got more oppressed. People were more oppressed. Yeah. Government took control and decided who they were going to favor and who they were not going to favor. Yeah. Some had more, some had less. And the rich got richer and the poor got poorer. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was, it was pure misery. It didn't get better, did it? We didn't usher in an era of universal love. What did, what did the Beatles sing? Um, what was the song? Huh? All you need is love. No, 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 not that one. The one where... Imagine. Imagine, that's it. Yeah, that was John Lennon. John Lennon, okay. Well, I knew it was... He's a Beatle. Yeah. Close enough. Imagine. Is that the way the world works? No. <laughs> Micah certainly didn't see it in his day. We're not seeing it in our day. And we've got plenty of examples of uh, socialism at work. They just keep telling us, well, it wasn't done right. Yeah. Go ahead. You know, since you brought up socialism, a lot of people don't realize that abuses were on both sides. Everyone looks at the rich that were oppressing the poor. It was also the poor who wouldn't do their job and, you know, would do it halfway or not at all. A lot of the fields went and rotted in that economy. And they weren't able to get all the grain that should have been able to come forward. Yep. So it really was abuse on both sides. It's actually not much different than here. The poor that we have, people taking advantage of the system, but then you have the other people who give them just enough so they keep voting them back in. Yeah. yeah. 
This is reality of mankind ruling mankind. That's what that's where all this is going. We need to be saved. We cannot fix the problem ourselves because it's in, it's, it's born in us. That's what sin is. You're born with it. We have this whole thing. These people are acting contrary. God has given a set of rules. Live this way. We can't do it. We have the perfect layout, but we can't live it. And so, for the Israelites, destruction is coming. We've said this, I don't know how many weeks now. <laughs> we keep talking about destruction is coming. Well, destruction is coming again. Because of the reality of the way people are living. Bribery was the rule. You wanted justice, you had to bribe somebody. There's no free justice out there. Because the judge is incapable. I mean, Chris talked about this several weeks, maybe a couple months back, about how we are short-sighted. We can't see every possible position on an issue to figure out what the best decision is. That being the case, the judge can't really know guilt or innocence or whatever, so why not make money on it? Whoever's got the most bribe wins. <laughs> we see that people are waiting to murder. We have we have this in our hearts. I mean, all we got to do is go back to Cain and Abel. Abel did nothing to Cain. If we remember the story, Abel didn't do anything to Cain. Abel wasn't even part of the problem. The problem was between Cain and God. God didn't like Cain's offering. Okay. Why did he kill his brother? Because God accepted his offering. Right. He had something that I didn't get. It's not fair, and I killed him for it. People are waiting to murder other people. It's just a matter of time. Because that's what's in our hearts. And no one is trustworthy. He goes through this whole, this whole thing at the end of the passage. Or, yeah, um, Put no trust in a neighbor. Have no confidence in a friend. Guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your arms. Your wife. Don't say anything to her. For the son treats the father with contempt. The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are of his own house, your own family. That seems a bit extreme. Really? Mother-in-law's against, or daughter-in-law's against mother-in-law's? Yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty common, isn't it? It's a new concept. <laughs> we, we look at this, and um, we can say, well, yeah, that's, that was then. There, there was issues and blah. We, we, we can talk about all that. But the reality is, is that this is, this is reality. If we look at Matthew chapter 10, 34 through 39, Jesus himself says this. Do not think I have come to bring peace to earth. If we're looking for peace, it's not here. All right, let, let's, let's just put that out there. We want peace. How bad do we want it? Are we willing to accept him? Because there isn't going to be peace as long as we're here and in charge and stuff. I have not come to bring peace but a sword, Jesus says. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. I mean, he's quoting Micah here. Yeah. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me. Now see, there's, there's the issue. We, by nature, are destructive towards ourselves. But if we, here's the solution. We have to love Christ more. Hmm. Whoever loves father or mother more than me. Jesus is saying, can you imagine standing there with all these people listening to you? And you're telling them, look, your family is defunct. The only way it's not going to be is you love me. I mean, you talk about self-centered. Those who say that Jesus is just a good teacher are insane. Because this is insane. Your whole problem in your life is you don't love me enough. 
I mean, if I stood up here and said that, y'all be sending for the little guys in white coats. Somebody would be down there talking to Chris within minutes. I think he's lost it. But here he is. More uh, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You talk about self-centered, right? If Jesus is only a man, <laughs> this is insane. The reality is, is that we are corrupt. Our family, the way we interact with each other, it's all corrupted. And Jesus says, no, no, you, you, you've got to, it's me you need to put your faith in. And when we all put our faith and trust in him, then he becomes the Lord of life and will rule. Good people will suffer under evil people. It's just the way it is. That's the reality of the world we live in. Doesn't matter how good you are. There's, there's no marking system that if you're a good person and you do good things, good things will happen to you. That's not how it works. The problem is, is that society will crumble under its own evil. It's supposed to, because the only true king is God. Is God, is Christ. This is his world. And if we are not following him, if we're not submitted to him, then he's not ruling, and we are. And evil will overcome. Comment, question. Go ahead. I, I think that's... Um well, if you look at it strictly from a humanistic viewpoint, then it really is egotistical. But it's amazing love because without that, without being admonished to do that, we don't have a chance. Yeah. Yeah. From a human standpoint, it's definitely egotistical, but it's the only hope we've got. Because he's more than man. <coughs> I thought I had a uh, handle on loving God before everybody else until our great-granddaughter was born. <laughs> and it's almost like she just melts your heart. And it's like, well, God, get out of the way. Uh, I, this, this girl was, I was really, really hit, hit our family in a positive way, but over, you know, like uh, I'm loving her more than I'm loving God. It's, yeah, we can, yeah. We can definitely pull that off. Yeah. As we look at society and we look at the reality, this is what we come to the conclusion. Contempt and violation of domestic duties are a sign of a universal corruption of a society. When the family breaks down, so does society. When we hold the values that God has given us, in contempt, which is what we're seeing today. Um, we're, we're seeing this, how we've eliminated gender, we've eliminated gender roles, we've eliminated the very construct of family. Um, we're, we're, we're breaking down all those things to try and make a more equitable society. Well, it doesn't work. It's really just universal corruption of the society, and the whole thing is about to crumble and fall apart. Because those are the building blocks that God gave us. Even in the, the smallest building block, which is the family, he says that there's, there's issues. Husbands can't trust wives, sons and daughters don't get along with, with the parents. The extended family doesn't get along. That's normal. We've taken it to a whole new level. Let's move along. Now let's look for some uh, hope. Micah chapter 7, verses 7 through 10. Somebody read this. <clears throat> but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not over me, over my, o my enemy, 
When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he pleads my cause and executes judgment for me. He will bring me out to the light. I shall look upon his vindication. Then my enemy will see. My shame will cover her who said to me, Where is the Lord your God? My eyes will look upon her. Now she will be trampled down like the mire of the streets. Salvation discovered. This is where this is our salvation. This is it. This is the only hope we have, and it's in the Lord. It comes by waiting on God. We don't like to wait, do we? We're like instant. Like clickers. Yeah. <laughs> When we wait <coughs> on God, our salvation does not despair. Because we know he's there. Because it's in confidence in God. Because if he can't do it, well, there is no hope, is there? I mean, it's the whole point of God. It's something larger than ourselves. Something more than the average man. Mankind has created gods of all sorts of things to either explain phenomenon or to have hope in something better than what's here. If you look at religions throughout the world, religion is often a construct of a society in order to hold it together. It's used by the government to control the people in a lot of places. It's one of the reasons why the Romans embraced Christianity. The Roman Empire was falling apart. They needed a rallying point. It was fragmented. It had too many uh, people that had moved in from with outside ideas. And the culture had been thinned to such a point. And the rallying cry became Christianity as they made that the national religion and pushed all the other ones out. They would just come in and they would conquer a uh, new region. And they, when they won, everybody was made to kneel. The priest would come up and sprinkle them all with holy water. You are all Christians now. <laughs> and the priest would come. And they would begin pooling them together into the empire. They would teach them all the sacred rites of the Catholic Church. And it became universal throughout Europe because of the way they used it. They used it as a method to control the people. And what eventually happened was... Huh? Well, yeah, they watered it down in order to, you know, because you got to keep the people happy, too. Um, so that's how they synchronized a lot of uh, holidays and, the, and, and things with Christianity. But the, the church became the all-power instead of the emperor. Eventually, you couldn't rule without the approval of the pope. He's the one who crowned the kings and emperors and all that, right? Because they used it to take control. But that's not the salvation that we're talking about here. It's not to be used that way. It's that we look for that hope in God alone. Where our confidence is in God because he invests in our lives. It isn't what we do for him. He doesn't need anything. See, that's... That's how you can tell the difference between religion and godliness. A religion needs you to do stuff for it. Because it won't stand on its own. God stands on his own. He doesn't need us to do stuff. He invests in our lives. It's him pouring into us. 
Our strength comes from him. His strength doesn't come from us, which is how most religions work, don't they? You pay your dues, you pay your tithe, you come and offer your physical support. We, you know, we rally the, the army together to go on crusade to bring Christ to the heathen. Does God need us to do that? He said the power of salvation came from himself. himself. Us proclaiming him, the words. The very scriptures are the power of God unto salvation, right? He doesn't need us. If he needs armies, he's got them. He doesn't need us. He wants us to wait on him, and he'll do it. He'll do what needs to be done. How is, a wait, how is waiting an expression of faith in God? That's giving up control. Oh, she goes right for the jugular. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> that is that. That is the crux. We wait on God. It means we're not in control. That's so hard. It is. Oh, we don't God. like not being in control. It's hard not to be in control. It teaches us patience because I mean a lot of things in life are like that. Yeah. Uh -huh. So how does waiting and faith go hand in hand then? One's essential for the other. One's essential for the other. Yeah. If you have faith, you'll wait. If you don't have faith, you're going to wait and you'll learn faith, right? <laughs> the two sides of the same coin. You want patience and you want it now. Yeah. Well, and, and we think about it. Here's Micah. He, Micah's looking at the reality of his world. And he keeps saying destruction is coming. God is going to punish and all this. But he's going to wait, doesn't he? He's got faith that it's going to happen because God told him. So you got to wait. Aren't we in the same position now? <laughs> yeah, that's right where I was going. <laughs> Our world isn't any different. We want change. The problem is, is we get tired of waiting, so we keep trying to do it. So we elect this guy. He's going to fix it. Or we elect that guy. We pass this rule or that law. Or, and and we, keep, we keep reading that newspaper. Does anybody read newspapers still? Yeah, as long as it's online. Yeah, as long as it's online. <laughs> we're, we're looking for, okay, see, look, it's shifting this way and that way. But that's uh, that's us trying to do it. The problem is, is that the reality says that we're we're corrupted. We gotta wait for him. And a lot of times we're not even sure it's gonna we're gonna see it in our lifetime. Yeah, no, that that's definitely that's definitely the problem. It may not be our life, we just kind of work through it. It isn't about us and what we're doing. It's where do we put our faith? We've got to put it in him. That's how we discover salvation. That's our salvation is waiting on God to do what he is doing and resting in that, in that peacefully. It ain't easy. I like, I'm a man of action. I like action. Let's do something. Sometimes it's just wait. Just, just wait. Otherwise, we get ourselves in trouble and do the wrong thing. All right, let's move along. Micah. This one's a freebie. Micah chapter 7 through 11. This isn't in your book, but I wanted to go through it anyway. So let's, uh, yeah. let's do it. 7 through, uh, yeah, 11 through 17. Go ahead, somebody. <clears throat> a day for the building of your walls. In that day, the boundaries shall be far extended. In that day, they will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt and from Egypt to the river. From, from sea to sea, from mountain to mountain, but the earth will be desolate because of its inhabitants for the fruit of their deeds. Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance who dwell alone in a forest in the midst of a garden land. Let, let them graze in Bashan and Gilead as in the days of old. As in the days when you came out of the land of Egypt, I will show them marvelous things. The nations shall be ashamed of all their might and they shall lay their hands <coughs> On their mouths, their ears shall be burned. They shall lick the dust like a serpent, like the crawling things of the earth. They shall come, they shall come trembling out of their strongholds. They shall turn and dread to the Lord our God, and they shall be in fear of you. The reason I wanted to include this because this is this is part of that hope. Because 
we need to understand this hasn't happened yet. This is the new reality defined. So the old reality is us killing each other, waiting for violence, bribery, and all that. The new reality, God is going to set them up. And God is going to enlarge their boundaries. This is their salvation. This is, this is their future. God is going to make Israel bigger, better than it was. And it's going to be God will bring them home. When he's ready, he's going to bring them back to their land and he's going to put them there. And it's going to be bigger than it was. And we see here, God's going to silence all the nations. Now, Israel has a home. It's much smaller than it was because that's what man can do. Man said, we need to give these poor people who've suffered so badly a land. And everybody cheered and said, you know, this is God doing this. But it isn't. It's man doing it. Man got tired of waiting on God. And we, so we created a nation, which has created infinite amount of problem in the Middle East, has it not? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, there's no shortage of issues there because of it. And they're still scattered throughout the world. They're not all home, are they? No. Because God hasn't done this yet. See, this is, this is our impatience. When God finally does it, he's going to silence the nations. They're going to lick the dust. <laughs> I don't think that's happening, is it? Uh, Iran is, is, is threatening serious attack on Israel since Christmas. And it's constant. I mean, it it's, it's like every few days you open the paper and there's Hezbollah or one of the other factions lobbing rockets into Israel, blowing up some bus station somewhere, a market here, right? Because when God does it, that's it. It's done. It'll be finished. That's the new reality that he's going to bring. He is punishing them in Micah's day. And here we stand in our day, waiting for the new reality to come. Because it needed, it needed something, didn't it? And this is part of what the Israelites, Israelis, the Zionists, whatever you want to... They, they don't understand. They didn't understand it. They still don't understand it. They needed their sins forgiven. It isn't about keeping the law and doing all the right things at the temple, which is what they think. But they needed Jesus. They needed that Savior to come, but they rejected him. And so their rejection has caused God to take the long road. Well, it didn't cause him. He knew. He knew it was gonna, that this was going to be a lot longer route, and so they haven't had their restoration as of yet. Comment, question. Right. Let's move along. Micah 17, yeah, 7, 18 through 20. <clears throat> Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He has not retained his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham, as you have sworn to your fathers in the days of old. Who is a God like you? What a question. Hmm. Other gods were propped up by their priests, right? That was one of the things that was that was funny. As we were in, when I was in Israel, um, <clears throat> there was Pan, a Greek god or Roman god, I think he's Roman, in this city, and it, they had a cave, and in the cave there was a pool. 
Um, and uh, he's the goat god, if you will. Uh, Pan was a, a satyr, so he had the legs, uh, lower half of a goat, the torso and head of a man, but he often he's predicted, <coughs> pictured with horns of a goat. And what you would do when it was his festival day, depending on the time of year and all that, you would come into the city, and on your way in, you would buy a goat, and you would go to the temple. And the goat was a special goat. It had been trained to dance <laughs> before the god. Well, actually, the, the way they did it was they trained it to a certain musical tune, and the goat would dance. And you know, if you train dogs and all that, it's not hard to do, is it? Pavlov proved that. But what they would do is that you would bring the goat to the temple in order to sacrifice it. And the way you would sacrifice it is you would take it and throw it into the pool, and if it sank, then the god accepted it. If it floated, you had to go get another one. Yeah, right? <laughs> now, the chamber under the temple is where they had a little orchestra. And they would be playing the music, but it's underneath. So you don't really hear it because, you know, the market is right there outside the, <coughs> you know, the steps are there and the market's behind you. So it's noisy. But the goat can hear the music. And so what would happen is, is you'd, you'd have your leash and you're walking your goat up. And it's that time of year, and I brought my goat to sacrifice, and you get to the steps, and he could hear the music. And what would the goat do? Dance. Dance. Oh, the goat is happy to, to join with Pan. And see, they, we have to prop up these other gods, right? The people did it. And then at night, they would come, and they would clean out the pool, because, I mean, it's not that big. They'd take all the goats, and they would throw them off behind the where the statue was. They found hundreds and thousands of goat bodies, or, uh, you know, carcasses or, or the bones and stuff. And that's, that's they would do. All these goats. So somewhere, I guess out on some farm, there was a goat farmer who trained goats, and they would bring them in for the people to buy. Who is a god like you? He doesn't need anything from us, does he? He doesn't need us to prop him up. Pan would have never lasted if uh, people didn't train the goats, would they? <laughs> yeah. I mean, th 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 that's absolutely ridiculous when we think about it. But how many other religions of our day require propping up, require things that we need to do or, or well, it'll fail? If we've got a program that doesn't succeed because God is doing something, then we're just propping it up, aren't we? <coughs> As we look at this, Mike is asking the same question because these gods that the people of Israel were serving, well, they required propping up just like Pan. And God says, I forgive Sins, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression. He decides, not us. We're not it. Forgiveness celebrated. This is what they didn't understand when Jesus came, that he was coming to bring forgiveness. They believed that, well, I'm good enough. I tithe my mint even. So therefore, I'm good enough for God. God didn't come to call righteous, he said. Jesus said, I came to call the sinner. The doctor doesn't need it. Isn't needed for healthy people. The problem is that we don't recognize that we're sick. None are like God. He needs nothing from us. He pardons iniquity. No payment is required. The whole idea of selling um, um, indulgences that you pay for it, that you got to go and put the money in. You know, no, 
God pardons. He's done it. Payment's already been rendered in full. There, there's nothing from us that he needs. He forgives transgressions, or he forgets transgressions. He doesn't even hold them in reserve in case he's got a cohujulus. Well, you remember you did this and I let you go. So now you're going to help turn around and help me out, right? Yeah, that's not the way God works, does he? Because he doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't need to remember what we've done because he doesn't need to bank some... What's the word I'm looking for? Cred. Goodwill. Yeah, he doesn't need to bank goodwill because someday he might need it. He's never going to need it. He doesn't need to keep little file folders locked in a safe just in case he needs to twist an arm here and there. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't need a little book. Okay, who owes me one? All right, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go and tap on Carl over here. He owes me one, right? He doesn't do that. That's how we work, right? We keep a ledger of who I've done what for. Maybe we don't have a physical ledger. It's been in the back of our mind. Oh, I did I did a nice thing for this person. Maybe, maybe they'll help me out. God gives up his anger. Sin always angers him. He's always angry at sin. But he says, you know what? I'm not going to be angry. I, I'm putting it all away. It's a choice he makes. And then, in the end, he tells us this. He's going to uphold the promises made to Abraham and Jacob. He goes all the way back to the very beginning, he says, you know what? I made promises to Abraham and Jacob. What promises is he, is he referring to? The land? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of them. Yeah, sure. Many nations. Right, that he's going to bless the nations. Remember, he's talking about forgiveness. He's, I'm going to forgive the whole world. I'm going to bless the whole world through this. Yeah, he's still going to take care of Israel the way he said he was. But he's, he's talking about the forgiveness of sin here, and he says, I'm going, to, I'm going to bless the whole world by forgiving everybody's sin. Because Jesus hadn't come yet. He's reminding them. What problem arises when we trust more in our ability to stop sinning rather than God's ability to forgive us. We become legalistic. Okay, we become legalistic, definitely. Probably top five answers. <laughs> we become legalistic. Go ahead. I think we, that's when we harmed ourselves because we separate us from the Lord because when we don't obey, we just don't want to, we want to do what, what we want to do, not what God wants. Okay. Okay. We become self-righteous. Self yeah, we end up committing the sin of pride. What else? The hand. Is that a hand he asked? Are you raising your hand? No. Oh, all right. <laughs> I, I thought you were raising your hand. No, I was doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Ed. The think that we have the right to judge others. Oh, we think we get we become judging of others. I get frustrated with myself. Oh, yeah. You know, our, 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 trying and, oh, man. Yeah, we, we begin to self-loathe. There's one nobody's thought of yet. Do we ever accomplish what we... No, we, we become very unfulfilled, for sure. <laughs> Last we chance. lose hope. Huh? We lose hope. Yeah, now that's true. We quickly lose hope in ourselves. And others. Overcome with shame. Yeah. Overcome with shame. That That's definitely. The number one thing, though, we end up doing is watering down what sin is. Because we can't reach this standard of perfection. So we, we start to, well, that's not really sin. The legalism becomes a list of rules, but the rules get too high, so we start making sub-rules. Well... It's okay in this circumstance, but not like this. 
And we begin a system of compromise because I've got to be able to live up to this. I've got to do it myself rather than turning to God and saying, I can't live the way you want. We begin to say, well, certain things, and we begin to overlook sins. This is what we're seeing in our world today, isn't it? It's what's happened to our country. This Christian country turned from accepting God's forgiveness and started on a legalistic system of what Christianity was, and what it's done is it's led us to redefine sin. Every generation or so, or even maybe several times in a generation, we redefine it. And now we're at the point where, well, it doesn't even matter what God thinks. It's what's legal is okay. Just because something's legal doesn't make it morally right. And we just keep sliding that along until, well, everything's okay. And everything can be done. That's the problem. When we don't put our faith in him to forgive us our sins. We don't want to have to let God forgive us. If we can do it ourselves, we don't need God. And then for we don't have to do what he says. We can make our own choices. It all comes back to that self-centered putting, I put myself in charge. I am God, as opposed to God being God. Like we're calling what's sin and what's not sin in our life. Yeah, exactly. Pat? Well, it reminded me of a, of a verse in um, <clears throat> Proverbs 24, 17, where we are glad when our enemy fails, when God punishes our enemy. Yeah, well, that's definitely because we're not looking at we're not looking at us and what's in our heart. We're yeah. looking at the justice of God, but we don't think that it needs to come to us too. <laughs> yeah, we do that so well. All right, so little thing. God is Father in truth to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we're looking for. God is our Father. But if He's truly our Father, then we're following Him. We're doing what He wants. We're following His choices. We often say that God's our Father. But is it true in our lives? Are we living in faith to Christ? Or are we trying to do it ourselves? And therefore, puffing ourselves up in that pride, which we then determine isn't really a sin, is it? No, no. I'm, I, I, can, I can do it on my own. Look how good I am. Yeah. Comment, question? Right. Could that be the reason that we go through trials and tribulations to remind us who, when we go, when we have those trials and tribulations, we're either going to trust the Lord or we're not? Well, it's definitely, I mean, that's part of being tested, yeah. Right, so when we're not thinking that way, we just kind of go on our own. And then yeah. the Lord has to reel us back if we truly love him. Yeah, I mean, he, he does. He reels us back. Yeah. Thank goodness. <laughs> he does when we're running astray. Go ahead, Annie. What did you? Um, I, this was making me think back to when I first became a Christian, the uh, pastor's wife used to do a Bible study on Tuesday mornings and raised in the Catholic Church, you, you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to do mass cards and you know the whole deal. Yeah. Um, and she said something that just kind of one of those moments right between the eyeballs. She said you are justified and that means it's just as if I never sinned. Yeah. And that has stuck with me all of my that's what Christ offers. That's where our faith is at, because otherwise I can't do it on my own. All right, a couple things to take with us this week. The sin of our world should break our hearts. As we look at the world, we see the sin. Does it bother us? Not make us angry because of the injustice of it, does it break our hearts that those people are so lost to God? Do we have a very concern? Secondly, Can I just, oh, go ahead. 
Um, recently, the football player who DeMar. was injured, yeah. he tweeted or did something, sent out something, and it, he was, I think it was after the, they scored the first touchdown after his injury, mm -hmm. and it said O-N-F-G. And that broke my heart mm -hmm. because well, I don't know what that stands for. Um, oh, oh my F -F God! God, big word. Oh my F. Oh, oh, okay. God, and I just that broke my heart because he didn't even. I don't even think he realized what he's even writing there. No, no. Do you know what I mean? Like I he he doesn't even. It was that kickback return. Or yeah. kickoff return, yeah, yeah. Back. yeah. And he tweeted something, and I just noticed it said, oh, and, you know, but. Yeah. It's like they didn't even realize. <laughs> what he using using God's name in vain doesn't get it any more blatant, does it? But it's almost like, did he realize what he was even. Yeah. It's a cultural know? thing. Yeah. It has become part of it. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. We can yeah. wait expectantly. For God's fulfilled salvation. We're in the process. God saved us by his death on the cross, but we as people are not perfected yet, are we? No. We're in process. We can wait expectantly that it's going to be done. That's what's so fun about when you study Greek. The words that, that are used to talk about our salvation is a form of of the word that is in perpetual happening. It's action continued into the future. It isn't completed action. When it talks about his death on the cross, that's completed. But when it talks about the work in our lives, it's, it's, it's being done because we haven't reached there yet. We can wait expectantly. We know it's going to happen. We've just got to wait. We don't need to get frustrated with ourselves because we messed up again. Because we're, we're in process. We need to ask forgiveness and, and keep on keeping on. We can celebrate God's forgiveness, his compassion, and his faithfulness. He's already done all that needs to be done. And we can, we, we can be joyous and fulfill or uh, celebrate his, the fullness of what he's done. Because he has. Even in Micah's day, all those years ago, what did we say it was, 600 AD or BC? Even then, they knew God had already had a plan. It was coming to fruition. They were able to celebrate. They could wait expectantly for it. Our world looks disastrous. It's already done. We've just got to wait through it. Let's close in prayer. Father, the minor prophets saw a terrible world. And they knew you. And what your plan was. They didn't understand how it would work out. But Father, they believed. We are your children living in this world, and it's a terrible world. As we look out at what is occurring, it seems so much like the world then is again. Lord, but we can wait. We can rest in you. We know you have a plan. Father, help us to live in the world in the way you want us to. Help us to rest in you. And Lord, let us celebrate the fact that you have already solved all the issues for us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.